Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Maybe you heard about Jeffrey Epstein. He's the convicted pedophile and accused sex trafficker who surrounded himself with an elite network of political leaders, would-be billionaires, and even scientists. He's the one who committed suicide over the weekend. Katha Pollitt has been thinking about the people who have been named in court documents as having accepted invitations from Jeffrey Epstein and people also who had sex with the underage girls he provided. Katha, of course, is a poet, essayist, and award-winning columnist for the nation. Katha, welcome back. Oh, hi, John. Thanks for having me on the show. So where should we start? Bill Clinton, how many times did he fly on Jeffrey Epstein's private jet? Well, it depends on who's counting. It was, I think, four flights, but they had different legs, so you could count each leg as a separate flight. There is actually no evidence that Clinton did anything bad having to do with Epstein. His spokesperson said there was always a, there were always staffers and secret security agents around him. And what was uh, the nickname for Jeffrey Epstein's private jet? The Lolita Express. And you know, I got to say, this is so unfair. This shows how great literature flies <laughs> over the heads of so many people, because Lolita, in the actual book by Nabokov, was not a tempting nymphette. She was an ordinary tweenie who was a kidnap and rape victim by the narrator of the book, Humbert Humbert, who was obsessed with her. But that was not the point of view of the book. The point of view of the book is how horrible Humbert Humbert is and how victimized Lolita was. Okay, that's that's Bill Clinton on the misnamed Lolita Express. How about the horrible Alan Dershowitz? He said he did go to a party at Jeffrey Epstein's mansion in Florida, and he did get a massage there, but it was not from a teenage sex slave. He said it was, quote, from a old, old Russian woman, close quote, and he added, quote, I kept my underwear on during the massage, close quote. Uh, is this good news? It conjures up a picture that I don't like to contemplate. <laughs> okay. He actually said, I think, a 50-year-old Russian woman named Olga. <laughs> 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 it's the details that count. You know, in the, in the light of all this, people have been uh, remembering some of the awful things Dershowitz, Dershowitz has said and written in the past. And the fact that he defended so many men who are uh, very, very likely guilty of horrific crimes against women like O.J. and Klaus von Bülow. He wrote an op-ed defending lowering the age of consent on the very spurious grounds that if a woman, a girl, is old enough to consent to her own abortion without, like, parental consent, then she is old enough to have sex. That 
seems ridiculous to me. Those are very different circumstances. So he, he thought we should get uh, lower the age of consent to, you know, oh, I don't know, 15. We could argue about 14. Yeah. And interestingly, Jeffrey Epstein, I just read today, he had the same idea. He said, you know, in lots of societies, having sex with very young girls is perfectly okay. This is just a peculiarity of our weird modern life. <laughs> so we've covered Bill Clinton and Alan Dershowitz. How about Steven Pinker? He's the, the psychologist and would-be philosopher who says that life is good, better than it's ever been, and we don't appreciate it enough. He's one of the uh, Harvard professors who hobnobbed with Epstein, and there's a picture of him and Epstein smiling together. He also helped with Epstein's legal defense, conducted by Alan Dershowitz. Now he says, quote, I could never stand the guy, never took research funding from him, and always tried to keep my distance, close quote. What do you make of Steven Pinker in this context? I have no reason not to take him at his word. I mean, you can have your picture taken with anybody. And then if one of those people turns out to be a major criminal, <laughs> it looks like you had a lot to do with them. Maybe you didn't. Pinker says that his contribution to the defense of Jeffrey Epstein was on some obscure linguistics issue and that he did this as a favor to Dershowitz and really had no idea what it was all about. That's what he says. Okay, moving right along. It's not Dershowitz who bothers you the most in this story. It's not Woody Allen or Prince Andrew or even former Harvard President Larry Summers. What does bother you the most about this story? Well, what bothers me the most about this story is the scientists. I'm, I'm very old-fashioned. I kind of think science is sort of great and that uh, scientists defend us from the vast sewer of nonsense that is rolling over us, whether it's, you know, Christian fundamentalism or racism, scientific racism or whatever. And so I'm a little disappointed in these people that allowed themselves to be collected by him, um, and I think kind of humored him, and uh, made perhaps in hopes of research funding, um, which he gave uh, to Harvard, and they keep saying this wasn't a lot of money, but six and a half million dollars, I don't know, that is a lot of money to me, and it was enough to found Harvard's program for evolutionary dynamics. So I'm, I'm disappointed in these people. And could you, um, would you care to name any names in this context? Well, you know, okay, so here's Stephen Haw Hawking, who is like world-famous hero, and he went to this conference on Epstein's private Caribbean island, and because he said he had never been in a submarine, unlike most of us, of course, uh, <laughs> he he was taken for a ride in a submarine, and the submarine was driven or conducted or whatever you call it when it's a submarine by um, Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell was the procurus and major domo and right-hand woman of Jeffrey Epstein, who is now being sued in the U.K. by uh, one of his, quote, sex slaves, unquote, for her role in all this uh, underage coercive sex. So, and another person who really bothers me is um, Lawrence Krauss, who's a theoretical physicist, and he's a big person in the, or was, a big person in the skeptic community. And he said, can I quote this? It's really kind of amazing. He said, these people uh, did not, some of these people did not uh, care at all 
that he was sent to prison, however, cushily in 2008 for soliciting prostitution. So Krauss said, oh, he poo-pooed the idea that Epstein's girls were underage. He said, as a scientist, I always judge things on empirical evidence. And he always has women ages 19 to 23 around him. But I've never seen anything else. So as a scientist, my presumption is that whatever the problems were, I would believe him over other people. Now, the interesting thing about Krauss is that he had to, uh, chose to retire from Arizona State University in 2018 after accusations of sexual harassment spanning a decade and a university investigation that found he had grabbed a woman's breast. So you just get a sense of all these sleazy, sleazy people together. Um, there was another one, computer scientist Roger Shank, and he told Slate about these girls. I never actually believed this underage thing. They might have been in their early 20s or late teens, but when I talked to them, they were always in college or had just graduated college or something like that. They were not high school girls. So I love the way these men think they can precisely drill in on the ages of these girls, like 19 to 23, not 18, not 24. <laughs> it's pretty funny, I mean, in a horrible way. Did um, uh, Were there any scientists who have... Uh, acknowledge there was something wrong with this or who have apologized for their closeness to Epstein? Epstein? One, exactly one. And that is the biologist George Church, who also teaches at Harvard, as many of these people do. Um, he said, there should have been more conversations about, should we be doing this? Should we be helping this guy? Uh, and he said that to the health news website stat. He said, there was just a lot of nerd tunnel vision. It's such a wonderful phrase. My next question for you. What is transhumanism? Transhumanism was something that Epstein was um, interested in, and it's improving the human race scientifically. And in his case, he wanted to do this by inseminating women, perhaps 20 at a time, with his own sperm on a ranch in New Mex his ranch in New Mexico. Um, and you ask yourself, now, how would that have worked like, these women all live together on this ranch till they have their babies or maybe afterwards, and does he support them while they raise this child alone? And <laughs> one of these scientists said, told him, well, you know, Jeffrey, this would never work because these women are going to have husbands, and the husband could be some awful person, and he could just screw up the whole experiment, as husbands have been known to do. <laughs> so this is about as smart as his other idea, um, which was, to have his head and penis cryogenically stored, that means sort of flesh frozen in this special scientific way, cryogenically stored after his death for resuscitation in the future. And you just ask yourself, how could these brilliant guys have taken any of this seriously? We haven't said anything about Trump yet. Is Trump part of the Jeffrey Epstein story? Well, Trump, Trump and Jeffrey Epstein uh, were friends you know, two Palm Beach millionaires interested in young women, what, what's not to like. And Trump says that he dropped Epstein after Epstein kind of put the moves on a daughter of one of the Mar-a-Lago guests. But an interesting thing about Trump is that he has been tweeting, that's not the surprise, of course, that he has retweeted conspiracy theories about the death of Epstein in prison, hashtag Clinton body count, 
and hashtag Clinton crime families. These are conspiracy theories that allege that the Clintons have murdered dozens, possibly hundreds of people, and they have been elaborately debunked by Snopes and others. And so for him to retweet that is putting the presidential seal of approval on, you know, real evil craziness. Katha Pollitt, she wrote about Jeffrey Epstein's Science of Sleaze for The Nation magazine. Thank you, Katha. Thank you for having me on the show. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.